like to welcome you, sir. Michael Phillips. First of all, thank you for having me. I appreciate you, church leadership, and membership for asking me to speak to you on this subject. I'm going to talk to you about experiences in education. But before that, let's talk a little bit about you. Yes, you. In a great book of wisdom, it was written, we should stay away from certain thoughts, lest we go in that direction. Well, conversely, it is also written in that book of wisdom that if you set your mind upon a thing, you will accomplish it. That's the part I want to talk about with you. It seems that you are interested in education. Therefore, you will do something to propagate education. Simply by having me speak to you on education, you will think about a thing, and you will do something about it. If not now, at some point in the future. And I appreciate you for that. A little about me. I've been tutoring in, or teaching in some form or another for about 40 years. I uh, do a unique type of teaching. And I'll tell you something about that as I explain the experiences in education. Some of the experiences I'm going to share with you will be part of an upcoming book if we can ever get on schedule about it. Um, I started tutoring when I was about 16. Sister Garrison heard me read at Bible study. And she asked me if I would be interested in helping one of her young sons to learn to read better. I declined that opportunity. She asked me three or four times. The result was the same. I declined. Obviously, Sister Garrison and my mother had a talk. <laughs> my mother asked me to help Sister Garrison's son read, uh, read better. So I, at that point, accepted the invitation. Well, I made some observations as I assisted that young man to read better. I was about 15 or 16 then. I noticed he improved, not based on what I told him or what I explained to him, but the manner in which I explained it to him. That was odd because it wasn't the information, it was how he got it. So that told me some things, some observations. Later, I, um, I got a job, a part-time job at a local supermarket. I got really good grades in math, so I decided to show my report card off to my elderly co-workers. There was a lady that worked with me by the name of Miss Betty. She saw that I had straight A's in algebra. She asked me if I would tutor her daughter, who took the same algebra that I did. She attended another high school. Of course, I accepted. I made the same observations with that young lady. It wasn't the difficulty of the material. It was how I presented it to her. I went on to tutor other people over the years. At this time, I want to share with you some of the successes, some of the latest successes of those that I taught. And I'll tell you something about the tools that I use to teach them. The uh, teaching method I gravitate to is called psychosynthesis. It's nothing um, sophisticated. It's, you satisfy the needs of the student. You put the pieces together and give it to them, and they learn better. Psychosynthesis is one of the children of holistic teaching. There are a number of methods that apply that, that technique. Satisfy the needs of the individuals or the perceived needs, and they'll learn better. Present it to them on their own terms. You see, as a tutor, I don't teach. 
I lead to learning. The old world meaning of a tutorer was a servant or slave that took care of bringing the master's children to and from school. Before school started, the tutor's responsibility was to escort, and this was an affluent or rich master, was to escort the children to school. Upon the conclusion of school, the tutor was to go to the school and retrieve the children. So that tutor did not teach. His responsibilities were to lead the children to and from school. Subsequently, the meaning of the term tutorer was adapted. I don't teach. I lead to learning. On the basis of what teachers expose people to, and I say people because I don't just tutor children, I tutor adults too, particularly those that are having problems passing high-stakes tests, uh, CPA, LSAT, MCAT, nurses, boards, and the like. Some of the children or people that I've tutored, uh, I want to share five experiences with you. Now, these five people have two things in common. I'll get back to that in a moment. The first one I want to talk about, his first name was Trey. Trey was an 8.5 student. That means he could not pass the LEAP test. His mother approached me after Trey had spent two years as an 8.5 student. With tears in her eyes, she explained to me that I don't think I'll be able to get him to go back to school a third year and spend it in eighth grade. I couldn't guarantee that I could help the young man. I have to talk to him and spend time with him. He could score only 42% of what was necessary to pass the LEAP test. After five weeks, this young man, who had dreams of attending Captain Shreve High School and playing football, could not have his dreams satisfied as long as his scores were that low. After five weeks, he went from 42% to 82%. He wasn't done yet. I had one more tool to teach him. The last tool I taught this young man was, I term it as 3T. 3T helps you to get 30% of what you don't know and might know right by making a statistical guess. The following week, Trey took the real leap test, not a practice test. He scored 92% of what he needed. The following year, he attended Captain Shreve High School. He played football on the varsity team. Trey also won the Citizenship Award at that high school. His mother shed tears again, but they were tears of joy because Trey went from not being able to satisfy the requirements of the LEAP test to being almost an ideal student. You see, he acquired a B average at Captain Shreve High School after being what was thought to be a failing eighth grade student. Another student. This was an adult student. Her name was Miss Williams. Uh, she was in a two-week adult development class with me. I met with that class on Monday through Thursdays for two hours. My responsibility was to teach them functional math. The group was made up of normally dysfunctional, disenfranchised, non-participating, but capable adults. Miss Williams was a high school dropout. She was married and she had a couple of kids but she could not pass the GED. At the end of our first week, she explained to me, Mr. Phillips, with the math that you have taught me, I think I can get my GED. Two months later, not only did she have her GED, 
she enrolled in college. The next two years, she spent acquiring her associate degree and tutoring her fellow college students in math. The deal was, after she graduates, her husband would go to school and acquire his degree. What do you think will happen to their three or four children in time? Because she learned, he was motivated to learn and move forward. A family reached and touched simply because education touched them. Another story. This was a young man who attended Huntington High School. I won't call his name. I think what he called himself was more significant. He explained that he was a scrub in education. He just wanted to graduate from high school, hopefully, so he could get a job driving trucks, semis. His mother brought him to me. We spent about six weeks together. At the end of that six weeks, he had a different story to tell. You see, this young man that called himself a scrub in education was a nice fellow. His math teacher would look over his work two or three times to find enough extra credit so he could earn a D rather than an F. He went from F's in six weeks to A's. The smart kids used to pass by him and brag about their grades because they could. He turned the tables. He started saying to them, I made another A, did you? His teachers wanted to know who his side man was because he had made such a turnaround. During a conference with his mother, she asked that I speak to him about his aspirations after high school. I asked her, had she spoken to him about it lately? She said, no. I said, well, I've already talked to him about it. And here's his dreams. He intends to attend the college and double major or major minor in music and education. You see, once he realized he could, he did. And it didn't take a long time. He asked me in, at the end of one of our tutoring sessions, Mr. Phillips, what do I do about my ninth and 10th grade years? I didn't do very well. I explained to him he should leave it where it is and move forward. He didn't. The following summer, he enrolled in summer school and took correspondence courses so he could correct his bad grades from his freshman and sophomore year. He went on to graduate from high school and to attend college. The next person, his first name was Justavian. Justavian attended Huntington High School. He was one of the top 10 students at that school, but he could score no more than an 18 on the ACT. With an ACT score of 18, he could not attend college. Not because no college would accept him. There are colleges with low admissions that provide a nurturing environment. He couldn't go to, to college because he needed Louisiana's TOPS money. His scores were too low. He did take the TOPS curriculum, although a very bright student with a B-plus to A average in most subjects. Trey took my class, and in six weeks, he went from 18 on the ACT to the mid-20s. This year, I'm sorry, Justavian. This year, Justavian graduates from law school. A dream fulfilled because his capabilities were enhanced, not his knowledge based, base. The next student I want to talk to you about, let's see, we covered Trey, Miss Williams, Justavian. The last one, he was a basketball player that attended Huntington High School. 
he too had problems passing the GEE. It took this young man about a month to read a 250-page book until he spent two weeks learning the tools that I teach. At that point, he was knocking out a 250-page book every two days. He explained that it was scary now because he sits on the edge of his chair and he reads and he gets to one point after another. He explained that before it took him so long to read the book, by the time he got to the end of it, it was no longer relevant because he forgot the details. One week, I bought him two books, one um, about two inches thick, the other about an inch thick. The following week when he returned, I noticed that he was on page 20 or 25 of the thicker book. And I immediately scolded him for being lazy. He just smiled and listened. When I finished, he explained to me, Mr. Phillips, I'm reading this book again because I ran out of things to read. Once these students realize they can, they do. The tools I teach are not seated in new knowledge. They're seated in changing their ability to think. I teach them very little. I show them that what was once thought to be impossible is possible. They do things like calculate square roots and logarithms mentally. They do what I like to call pocket math. The teacher writes the problem on the board. They walk up to it, smile, put their hands in, the, in their pockets and espouse the answers to the teacher. Once they realize they can do it, they do. Once I finish teaching them, I move out of the way and I let them. You see, these five students and many others have two things in common. Those two things. They have desires to learn and a need to be taught. Their desires go unsatisfied because they do not succeed in learning, not because they can't, but because it has to be presented a slightly different way. That leads me to their need. Those students, and many others, need to be taught in a different manner. What do you think would happen if we varied the manner in which we taught people, not just children, adults that assume that they can? And these people hear it or see it in a slightly different way, and now they understand it, and they can. Here's what they become. Self-actuated, motivated adults that pursue learning in my absence. Because once they realize they can, they do. You see, learning changes behavior. If we want people to do better and be better, we have to change what they think. Because thinking drives action. So to change what they think, we change what they know. To change what they know... We have to teach them in the way that they understand. Shifting our teaching method to their personality or their intelligence type. None of the teaching or methods that I use are new. The fact of the matter is they're quite old. But they're effective. And I'm persistent in it. Here is what's even more phenomenal about it. Not so much that I can do it. I can teach others to do it. And I do. Just imagine the satisfaction of seeing someone that you could call a letter. That person is and does because I share. You see, that's the reason I work so diligently at teaching others. 
I am a paid tutor. Well, half the time. Half of those I teach, it's, um, it's pro bono because of the need. Imagine what would happen if everybody were taught just a little bit differently. Imagine what that would do for crime. You see, most of those arrested the first time don't have high school diplomas. If we want to lower the arrest rate, make sure more people get high school diplomas. We want to change things, make sure more people know more by teaching them differently. I appreciate you allowing me to speak to you on the basis of education. Things change when people know more. Things change when people are like you are, considerate enough to hear other ideas. When, it might take a while, I finish with the book. One of them will be titled Experiences in Education. I will make sure this church has a supply for everyone that would like to have one. Thank you.